prepare yourself, queens, not only with a hot dose of gratitude, but with a notepad. And if you're driving, you can always replay this episode because I have such a special treat for you. I was blown away with this interview with Kat Stankick. Kat Stankick is known as the lead boss. She supports time-crunched expert professional service providers to create a process to predictably fill their pipeline without fancy funnels or complicated tech so they can free up their time and predictably hit their revenue targets. And I have to say, Kat drops so many bombs of knowledge, of strategy that you are going to want to be taking notes for this episode. I was blown away with her generosity of sharing, not only with her vulnerability, with sharing her own story and some of the struggles that she went through as a mom of three kids while growing a business, but also the strategies that worked effectively for her to navigate those challenges of being time crunched that has allowed her to build a successful multi six figure business. She is an extraordinary woman. I am so honored to have her on this show. And so without further ado, let's just dive into the episode. I give you Kat Stankick. Welcome to the Princess and the Bee podcast, the place to be to build your empire as queen of your body, business, and life. I'm your host, Kimberly Spencer, founder of crownyourself.com, and I'm an award-winning coach, Amazon best-selling author, and multi-passionate entrepreneur. Each week, I give you the systems, strategies, and success stories to help you master your mindset, communicate with ease, and triple your productivity so you make the income and the impact you deserve. Imagine this podcast as your weekly spark of inspiration as you take it to the next level with all the bees of your life, body, business, bank account, boys, and babies. Let's make it rain. Kat, I'm so excited to have you on The Princess and the Bee. Welcome. Thank you uh, so much for having me. I'm like super excited to like reveal all of my skeletons in my closet. So <laughs> let's go. And I, I think the thing with, with you, Kat, is like you are so authentic about your fire mm-hmm. and like that fiery, I know it's, it's red, the red hair, like <laughs> you just own that fire that you have inside of you. And so let's start off with like a bit of a, some fire. Cause I know I, my audience has a bit of this belief of why marketing is hard. What, why do people make marketing hard? Cause it is until it's not. Um, so I, I remember this very distinctly and this was in my, one of my last, um, group programs and I had a client come on and, you know, there's like six women cause I like to keep mine small and she comes on and she's clearly frustrated. I'm like, okay, great. Like, let's start this. And she was like, I am brilliant at what I do. Everybody tells me I am so good. Why am I not more successful? So one, I had to dodge that energy cause that was coming at me like a bullet. And then after like, kind of regrounding saying, yeah, you are brilliant at what you do. Your marketing just doesn't reflect it. That's not your fault. How can you be a brilliant at what you're doing and also be brilliant at marketing? It's a learned thing. You learn to be brilliant. You spent years and hundreds of thousands of hours getting to this place of mastery. And yet the bro marketers out there want you to think that you can turn on your marketing machine and all of a sudden make $24 million in 24 hours. And here's your Lamborghini. Right. Hey, 
I got an AK-47 stack of cash, stripper wife ready to light your cigar and, you know, a private jet in the background and a rented house. Like, let's just be clear. Like a lot of credit cards were maxed out in order to make that image happen. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it, coming from having lived on the Gold Coast, <laughs> where I saw the shoots actually happening with the Ferraris and like in the building that I was living in. And I was like, I know that you're renting that room. That's not really your apartment. <laughs> right, right. Well, and that's the problem is that it feeds that part of our ego, that comparison monster. And it's actually the thing that keeps us playing small. Like, I'll admit, I was like, ugly crying yesterday being like, I want to be faster, better, more than I am right now. Instead of looking back and being like, look at what I've achieved in these last, this last year, these last two years, I, I keep stacking the years in terms of where I've been and where I am now. That's how we project future success. Instead of projecting you know, ego-driven expectations onto ourselves, um, it really is a lot to do with learning and being open and coming into things with a bit of a beginner's mindset and being willing to do things wrong and to modify and split test because if failure is part of my experience is where I've often learned more than if I had easy success. So yeah, now and something that you touched on in our conversation before we hit record was that your business like almost went under Right. And I only say this because she said I could say this. <laughs> like she said, we could talk about this. It almost went under yeah. after you had your third child. I was in the middle of having, in the middle of having my third child. I wasn't actually in labor. I was like the first trimester of my pregnancy. Now I don't actually talk about this often. So I'm, I'm walking my talk. All three of my babies were IVF babies. So they were chosen. There is more than just the pregnancy. The pregnancy was hard enough. And if anyone's gone through IVF, there's a lot of hormones, there's a lot of needles, there's a lot of medication, and there's a lot of broken hearts. So tack that on to everything. But basically I was in the first trimester and my morning sickness started easing after 16 weeks. So I was at least halfway through. Now this is at the beginning. So I know, I always know that I'm pregnant when like the nausea starts within two weeks. Now I knew I was pregnant because IVF, like everything's tracked. And I basically got so bad that I couldn't do more than an hour of work a day. Meaning I literally couldn't have my computer open. I couldn't, I couldn't watch TV. I couldn't read a book. Like I couldn't actually further myself in other ways. And it's actually how my process was actually born because I only had an hour. That was it. So I had to maximize that hour as best I could. And it's why I know that you can do effective lead generation in an hour, because that's exactly what sustained and prevented me from shutting my doors because I was freaking out with all the things I had to do. I felt I needed to do all the, the fancy stuff. And when you boil it down, there's really only a few basic things that you need to know how to do to create success. Because whether you're at below six figures, multiple six figures, seven figures, these are still the things happening. It's just, it depends on who's doing it. If you're at seven figures, multi-seven figures, you as a CEO aren't necessarily doing these things, but other people in your business are. And in order for them to do it successfully, you have to know how to do it. And that's where the opportunity is. Can you give the audience an example of like what one of those things is? Maybe three. It's my process. <laughs> Deliver. Basically, my process focuses on three key areas, uh, connect, converse, and close. That's it. Who are you connecting to? And it's not just hitting that connect button on LinkedIn, right? There's a lot more strategy that goes into behind it. 
who are you having that conversation with? Whether it's through your content, whether it's through you putting on a workshop, whether it's you actually having conversations, whether it's, as I know you talk about getting on podcast and leveraging that for lead generation, right? Who are you having that conversation with and how are you creating leverage there? And then how are you providing that invitation, that experience to the close? And I don't mean focusing on the pitch because that's actually what's wrong with a lot of marketing strategies. The bro marketers have basically saturated the digital marketing space with this get more, do more, higher ticket, buy, 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 buy energy, shake you down, deliver as far as a sales call approach. And yes, make a ton of money, have impact. All of that is beautiful and wonderful, but it happens after you've delivered the value. The more money you want to make, the more value you need to drive. Cause that's the engine of your, of your business is the value that you're bringing to your community. And so looking at those three aspects is really the most important thing. And the likelihood is if marketing is feeling hard, if sales is even feeling hard, it's probably because you're doing one of more of one thing and you're avoiding another. And I will tell you that the revenue is behind the resistance. So open that door to resistance and you will find your pot of gold. Oh, that is such a quotable. The revenue is behind the resistance and so powerful because I think back to my own experience when I first started my business and I was in the process of, uh, I had hired a business coach and the process was like, oh, you get as many people on to 20 minute calls as possible. And then you just try to close, 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 close. And that sounds so fun. (laughs) I didn't resonate with that at all. And I tried it. And I was like, this feels gross. Like this feels like I'm not delivering value. I also wasn't targeting the right people um, for my offers. And so I was getting all of these calls and wasting so much time. And I was um, I was a new mom. So I didn't, I didn't really have that time. Nope. And it wasn't until I, f- I remembered my own success strategy from my Pilates business, where for my process, it was, bringing someone in for a discounted rate for a intro session. So they get Mm -hmm. to experience me. They get to have a taste. They get to learn the process. They get to feel the difference. And then after that, it was like a no brainer close to have, to have the sales conversation because they would actually feel the benefits and the value. And one of the things I think I hear so much from so many entrepreneurs is this perception that more value means more content. Mm -mm. So yeah, can that's actually that why I came up with the concept of firework experiences. Everything you're saying is true. So everyone's like, how do I get more clients? I mean, what we're talking about here is shortening the sales cycle, right? It's how do I get someone buying faster? This is not wrong. You don't have to use manipulative NLP. You don't need to have BS persuasion tactics and you know all that stuff. It all comes from two things. One, what is your intention? Are you intending to, are you attached to the sale? Then you're probably going to lose it right? And are you asking permission? So permission-based marketing and sales is actually how you take away the sleaze and the slime and the yuck of all of that, because I'm pretty much the same way. And I think there's a lot of more people out there who don't like making other people, they get triggered by being salesy and sleazy because they don't want to put that on someone else because so many people have done that to them. You know, that's pitchy P giving PTCD post-traumatic connection disorder. You know exactly what's going to happen after you accept that connection request and you just kind of brace yourself, which actually basically puts you on the defensive all the time. And then what happens? You're dealing with people who are on the defensive as well. 
So how do we get rid of that is essentially by creating a huge value experience, what I call firework experiences. And that's that, and and I'm not saying discounted, right? Like it's, that works absolutely beautifully in the brick and mortar space. What I mean is someone needs to experiencing, experience you, your energy. And yes, they can experience you to a certain level through your content, but it's why video is powerful. So what if you created a community, your own community, not sneaking into someone else's and try to close people on the back end in the DMs, but you created your community of people who not only saw you as the expert, but they want to hear from you and they want to buy from you. And you do that by creating an overall experience from the first connection to the invitation. And there's a lot of strategies that are still working. Let me just like say nothing is dead. Nothing. All marketing strategies, there's a core base of marketing strategies that exist. No more will be created. No less will be taken away. Now, the manner in which you deliver it, the manner in which you show up and how the experience someone has, that changes. So those are like tactics, essentially. And so what is that experience you're providing someone? And is it a good one? The reason like that person may have gone, your client may have gone to five different Pilates studios, but the reason they bought from you wasn't just because you gave them a discount. It's because of your energetic presence. It's the experience that you provided them. It was the clean locker rooms. It was the towel service. It was the, whatever it was, right. That you decided included needed to be included to provide that above the rest thing. What happened that shortened the sales cycle. And that person bought from you faster than if they'd stayed on your email newsletter. And that's our opportunity is to invite people to experience us more in a way that is aligned to your strengths in the way that your clients consume and show up information online. So how they consume information and how they show up online. When you understand those two things, then you pick the strategy. Those are the rungs to your ladder of success. There are 12 different firework experiences. I'm debating on adding a 13th one. And basically you get to pick the ones that align. And so that you do it because like you said, I didn't like, does cold calling work? Absolutely. It's not dead. I, it's not my favorite thing to do. (laughs) Yeah. It's not, it's, oh my gosh, not mine either. And it's like, there are people who rock at it yeah, and they're in integrity. They're not hustling. They're not pushing. It just aligns to their strengths. And they found a community of people who respond to that kind of outreach. And that's why they're successful. So that's the opportunity is not buying into this one size fits all magic box solution, but really understanding that you have a unique recipe to your success. And it's about finding the different pieces of those ingredients and the quantity of each so that you can reproduce your revenue results so that you create that consistency and that predictability. Mm. Oh my gosh, that, that like we could just end it we could just like and we could just end it right here <laughs> just because that was so much value that you just gave in that in that piece and i think that that is a testament to actually what you preach because that right there that was gold and it wasn't adding more content it was just like here's the here's the nugget here's the firework explosion of cat goldness and and rock it on so looking at how you've built your business, did, where, did you always have this clarity as far as the direction as to where you were going, especially since you built your business with three kids? Oh, and yes. IVF. I was perfectly clear from <laughs> the first everything. day. <laughs> you know, I just was messing around because I wanted to make it harder. No. <laughs> 
I've gone through evolutions and iterations. I've evolved and my ideal client has evolved. Every time I work with someone, every single time I find a new piece that I enjoy even more. And I tack that on and I identify pieces that I don't enjoy and I release them. It's the same thing within me. I'm constantly challenging myself. I'm pushing myself in a way that's uncomfortable, but comfortable, not so that I'm trying to rule the world kind of thing. So like a little bit of a, I'm rolling my eyes because I'm like about to start sharing this more and more, but basically the story comes from when I was in fifth grade, I was being bullied. It was, it was bad. Like it, it, to the point that I was eating my lunch in the bathroom. So like, you know, that's, first of all, I'm like really a germaphobe. So that's really pretty bad. (laughs) But I remember sitting on the toilet eating my lunch, not going to the bathroom. I was still clothed. So just, just carry on that. And the to- I remember- There's a big difference between eating your lunch with the toilet closed. Versus <laughs> going to the bathroom and eating your lunch, like, you know, standards. So <laughs> I remember being hit with this knowing, just a knowing that life could and had to be better than this moment. Now I've gone through Dante's infernos of hell. Like most people wouldn't know, like looking at me now, like they never imagined the things that I've been through. And I'm not about reliving that. I'm about being able to connect to that knowing. And the person listening to this right now, your clients, my clients, they have that knowing. And it's about tapping into that and really starting to shine brighter because it's not just what you're putting out in terms of content. That's a firework. You are the firework. You are meant to be brighter. You are meant to attract your people. They are meant to look up and you are meant to shine on them so that they in turn can shine and be their own firework. That's how we put more love out into the world. So part of that process is screwing up, is putting in too much gunpowder. It's, you know, hopefully no fingers get lost, right? But it's looking at the opportunity to fail as getting us closer to where we want to be. And it doesn't have to hurt but it's about how fast we get back up because at every single level, you know, people always say new level, new devil. It's BS. It's always the same devil. Just it's always up. the same devil. It's, always it's the same. It's just line. a different form. It's like, oh, different form, different face, different root. Right. But that's our opportunity. And if you're knowing is if you allow it to shine, that overcomes that. So it doesn't matter that you don't know. It doesn't, you're, I, I still don't know what version of me I'm going to become. There is an image that I'm trying to go towards, but that's part of the opportunity of working with people like you so that they're kind of reconnecting to their true North. Are they still on path? Is, does it need to be modified? Because we're going in a direction. Sometimes we don't really know exactly what the destination is yet, but that's good enough. And it's that one next step. And it is hard doing it when you've got kids at home. I have three kids underneath the age of eight, right? And I'm constantly fighting the comparison to the person who has no kids at home, who has more time, who can travel, who can speak more. And I should be, should be, should be. I should be actually present. I should be enjoying these moments because that's where the real wealth is because that will help propel more abundance. Not only that is within me, but it will help also attract it into me. Hmm. So powerful. And I mean, I struggled as well with the comparison of, you know, seeing women who started their businesses at the same time as me, and then they're doing twice as much as I am, but 
they didn't have kids and I'm like, oh, well, that must be so much easier. And I, I used to struggle with that plagiarized belief all the time of like, it must have been so much easier for them without kids. And I'm like, yeah, probably it would have been. But would I be here now if I didn't have my children? Right. No, I like the answer is very clearly no. Because Declan, my first son, was my spark. He was, he's my first coach, even called him Little Sparky. I was Sparkles. And uh, she she said, that's that's Sparky. And he just ignited something in me mm. that was greater than myself that made me lean into taking more courageous, more firework, more Sparky action instead of doing all the things in my business that weren't profitable and that were me getting stuck in doing the one thing that scared me, which was connecting with people. The thing you were avoiding. Yeah. The revenue was hiding. Yep. Always in plain sight. It's always, it's like the, the, your car keys, the remote control, your glasses. It takes someone else to come and say, Hey, they're on your head. They've been there the whole time. It's and like it's Dorothy's just, shoes. Right. Exactly. The power is always within us, but we have to go through a process to be able to not just tap into the power, but to really unleash it. And, you know, with the comparison monster, you know, there was someone I used to compare myself to a lot and I ended up getting to know her. And despite what looks like more success ended up not being what I saw was a lot of bartering still at her level. What I saw was a lot of family struggle behind the scenes. What I saw was a lot of postulating to keep up a, you know, perfect persona that Facebook facade, that Instagram perfection, because God forbid someone see the cracks. It's kind of like the movie Encanto, right? Like, so yeah. basically the cracks are in the walls and you don't see them until it's too much and everything falls apart. And so yeah. it's just really looking at what are you building your foundations on? And are you willing to get up to the line that's private? Meaning there are things in your life that are private and you don't share them, but you decide where that line is. And getting up to that line is exactly where people connect to you as a human. And it's where, you know, people buy from people. They need to know what your values are. Someone bought from you because you have kids, but if you didn't share that, that's an opportunity that you were lost. You also don't want the people who are going to be bitching and complaining about having children because that's out of alignment for you too. Mm -hmm. And I think you, you touched on such an interesting point about speaking about the line of private and struggle. And I remember when we had our first conversation, because Kat and I met through this amazing group called the Dames for six and seven figure businesswomen. And that, ex like our first conversation, you mentioned someone was speaking about something that they were currently struggling with. Oh, yeah. And yet positioning themselves as a, as a business coach, but they were currently struggling with some like tax debt or something. <laughs> so this person um, basically was a was a business coach and basically started sharing about how she had made no revenue for the past year that she, you know, had gotten divorced, which my you know heart goes out to her, had lost her house, had started house sitting. And yet she was trying to get clients to show them how to be successful in business, generate more leads and generate more revenue and, and all the things associated in sales and all that stuff. And I was like, I get that that's happening to you right now. And that's a story you need to share two years from now. <laughs> like In the moment, some things do need to be kept because yeah, there is a persona that needs to be kept up. I'm not going to lie and say that you should reveal all your deepest, darkest secrets, and there's a time and place where that connection can be shared, but it's also going to benefit you and your business. It's just the reality of it. Yeah. And timing of 
the message yeah and being able to to have that space for what is private because i've noticed that some things there's this perception that authenticity is sharing everything about what you're going through and that's not necessarily true right there's a reason you're only seeing this right now yeah. <laughs> stuff over there and i can appreciate it when it's appropriate right but you're right there's a timing aspect to things and it's it's actually like the art of the conversation it is a timing thing going and like pushing and hustling and trying to force someone to buy that's not the right timing and now people are like oh when should i follow up when does it feel right if it feels right to share then share i believe that this person was being mentored and pushed into sharing more than what was comfortable for her and that that was where the dissonance happened and that's where i think she made a mistake but 10 years from now, maybe it's not, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that was exactly what she needed. As far as I can see, it's not necessarily helping her business. Yeah. And so looking at that vulnerability line, what have you seen aside from timing goes into the realm of oversharing? I think it has to align to your values. So for me, for example, I have three kids and I very, I talk about them sometimes on, you know, episodes like this, where the audience is that creates a connection, then I will talk about it. I'm not on social media posting pictures about them all the time. Every now and then you might see something. I might share a funny story or maybe a milestone or something like that. But what I'm doing is, is I'm considering their future. What I put online, they haven't necessarily consented to. And so what I'm putting out online, I don't want some employer or them or some you know investor in the future coming and seeing that and judging them based on it. And I think that's a lot of the issues that are happening right now in the social media space is that this overshare is actually going to have repercussions down the line. So, I mean, thank God nothing was documented in my, you know, growing up in awkward phases. I'm just really appreciative of that. Um, but, you know, I mean, we think about it, like, look at the, what you posted 10 years on Facebook. Oh. Like, it's always cringe. Oh <laughs> So that is there were part of lots of partying photos that were <laughs> maybe that's the answer. It's tap into your higher self, tap into the version of you 10 years from now. And what would that person then do and advise you? And I think that you have your answer. Everyone is naturally creative, resourceful, and whole. That's the coaching side of me, mm -hmm. right? So tap into that value center. And are you doing this to contribute karmically and positively to the world? Or are you doing this because it's a marketing strategic angle that you think will either get you some buyers or some subscribers? If it's the latter, probably not something you should be sharing. Mm. I, I love what you said about contributing to the kids as well and being conscious of that legacy that you are yeah. leaving for them. Like my son, Declan, he is more than happy to come on. Like he's like, I want to go <laughs> like show me off. He's such a little showman. And yeah. I'm like, that's fine. I'll show pieces of you. But there are certain things that I don't talk about and certain pictures that I don't post, you know, some ones that my husband and I find incredibly funny. But his uh, his future his nighttime routine dance is, is uh, one that really will happy. not be on the internet in the interwebs. <laughs> right. And there's conversations that you have on the back end. Right. There's things that I don't share publicly, but that I'll share in private conversation. And that's just the humanity. And it's really looking at you know, sometimes you got to do the wrong thing to come back to that knowing of what's right and wrong. I mean, there's plenty of times I've posted something and I've deleted it thinking, oh my God, I'm going to get judged. And it, this, this was too much, or this wasn't enough, or who, who really cares what I think about this? 
And there have been times where I've had that reaction and I didn't delete it. And it was one of the better things that I posted. Um, I did it yesterday. I posted that I cried and I am not someone who like that side of me is definitely there. I show it a lot with my clients and I show it with my family, but like publicly is something harder for me to do. And it was actually something that someone invited me to do was to show more of that softness because I will admit most of my life has been a battle. Every time I've decided to accomplish something, it's been war paint and armor on and let's go. I am a doing energy. And my invitation for my own abundance is standing more in being because I do have a strong feminine energy, but it was never safe to have that. And so now that's my opportunity. So I would invite anybody listening today of being like, where am I leaning too much into? Just like when you're doing lead generation, what are you doing more of? Because that's what's comfortable or you think that's what's expected. And what are the things you're avoiding? And maybe that's the piece that needs to be shared. Yeah. And I think that that's such a key component because I know a lot of my listeners are that very ambitious, like feminine woman, but we got, we got that masculine drive, like nobody's business. Mm -hmm. Like there is drive and ambition and allowing for that femininity and that softness and that flow is something that, I mean, for me, especially like that was something I had to learn as well of curating that space so that it was safe to be because of the some of the struggles that I experienced. So that masculine drive was really leading the way for a long time. And over the past few years, I've just been that's feminine. The feminine has so much power in it, too. It does. I also will say that, like, my sexual organs don't need to be making decisions or anybody's mm -hmm. sexual organs need to be making decisions in business. I tend to just go from that side of things. And there are plenty of women where they stand in the divine feminine. And I think that's amazing. And that's wonderful. And that's not me and that's not my audience. So there's also knowing that aspect of things. And I think this kind of really brings us back full circle to that initial question of, you know, why is marketing hard? And it's because so many people are approaching it from this ego space mm. of what, what, what are other people doing? How should I mimic them? What is that thing versus leaning into the most powerful tool that you have, which is you, your stories, your beingness is your most, is your biggest competitive advantage. And so I like to call them cat's fables where basically it's, what's that story? Like there's a, like, these are on LinkedIn. If you want to go find them, there's a story that I wrote about how I got chased by an alligator and survived. No joke. I accidentally ordered a hooker in Hong Kong once I think I actually did it a second time, but, um, we, I only shared the first story, <laughs> <laughs> but like looking at like, what are those things that happen to you? And then what's the business lesson? Mm -hmm. That's the fable aspect of it. Right. And if you can share these stories about yourself and it's like, you know, everyone's seen the rom-com movies and you've seen the same one over and over again, and they don't stick with you, but the one that had that twist ending, the one that you didn't really anticipate, those are the stories you share because you didn't see it coming. And those are the ones that create that stickiness with people. And so they remember you and they want to share with Like they just share you, they advocate for you. Cause your content's good. Cause it can't not be good when it's a story about how you ordered a hooker in Hong Kong or how you got chased by an alligator or how you turn overripe bananas into clients. Yes. It's a thing. So like looking for that kind of stuff, the it's all within you already. You've already experienced it. Those are the things to share. Mm, so powerful. Yeah. The, there was a story that I shared about how I turned standing in line for the bathroom in a very, very long line into an $18,000 client. And it was just that business lesson of the power of what can happen while 
you know, being a woman. Holding your pee. Like, conference room, gotta pee. <laughs> you don't pee yourself. You can make 18K. Like, yep. Same with the experience of me eating poop on accident. It happens. It happens. Being a mom, it's just it, really, shit happens, really, especially it, as there's a mother. a lot of times it should have happened and it didn't. <laughs> but that lesson, I was able to turn it into a really powerful podcast and it got me on some great podcasts just because of that yep shitty experience but <laughs> but hey there my fellow sovereigns i hope you are having as much fun listening to this interview as i had recording it and if you're listening to this interview and you're like i could do that i could be on podcasts like the princess and the bee like the podcast that you know and love then i would absolutely 1000 percent say you're right you should be on more podcasts. This is exactly why we have created our Communication Queens guest podcasting agency. We don't just book you on podcasts. We book you on podcasts that have a targeted audience that you can leverage those podcast appearances into becoming your ideal clients and customers for your business using our seven-step proven and tested framework that has brought in over $110,000 in new business revenue in just the past year. For both myself and my communication queens, guest podcasting has been the most fun, easy, effortless form of lead generation that allows us to access that zone of genius. And as you know, if you've been an avid listener to this podcast, I have seen a direct correlation between the amount of money a business makes and the amount of time the business owner, aka you, is spending in their zone of genius. So if speaking, sharing your story, serving with your tips and tricks and giving that advice that you're so skilled at giving has always been that sort of effortless flow that just comes through you, then guest podcasting can be one of the greatest lead generation assets for you. And my Communication Queens agency wants to show you how and support you in getting those bookings so that you get on the right podcast with the right audience, with the right message, and you get the right clients coming into your business. Book a discovery call down below and let's see how we can get you profiting from guest podcasting. So I'd love to know, looking at business through this lens of curating these, these firework stories, do you have a system or a process for how to create this story if someone isn't, if someone doesn't feel like they are a skilled writer or skilled content creator? Oh, that's my favorite thing. So here's the, I hate the one size fits all. Like it's never looked good on me. Like one size fits all. No, I mean, I don't even think it looks good on the person that actually initially modeled it. Cause it's just like a square, right? And we all look good in square clothes. So <laughs> looking at Again, what are your strengths? Like, what is that thing that you really enjoy doing? Because the likelihood of you doing the thing you enjoy doing is pretty high, right? Instead of trying to force yourself to do something. And I am not here to say that there are any easy button approaches. If anyone thinks that they have not been listening, business takes work, but it's about putting strategic effort so that you create the ease. That's the piece that a lot of people are missing. It's not, you can, you can skip the line, but you've got to be strategic about how you're doing it. Are you skipping it because you're investing in yourself or are you punching people along the way? There's a difference. Both get you to a certain place. You might get mauled in a secondary situation if you actually are <laughs> punching people along the way. And you're not. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, you know, it's really looking at 
what do you enjoy doing? Because lead generation can be fun. Marketing can be fun, but you've got to find those pieces to your recipe. And I think that's what happens is that so many people are only peddling this one solution. And so they don't really look at what's all available to them. I actually have a matrix that I walk people through as part of a firework experience that aligns your strengths with your clients, you know, focus and their experience in where they are, either whether they're in life or in business. And it basically gives you the two, three, or even sometimes four firework experiences and you get to pick from there. So it's not in the, one of the, my favorite things is, is that great. Now we've identified the thing you do. You know, that's not where it stops. I actually hand the SOP over, meaning you get the emails to invite the person, you get the structure of the firework experience, you get the emails to follow up with people so that they can book a call. Like all of the pieces are there because one of the things I hate is when someone is stuck and Mm -hmm. I never want to be the reason that someone is stuck. So I have become one of the most resourceful business strategists out there with like, 1300 email templates, 90 days worth of content prompts to start like, you know, SOPs, um, lead gen posts, lead gen emails, like all of these things, because I have brought so many people through the process and they've created so much success for themselves that there is a recipe, there's a framework, and then you get to decide what you build within the sandbox. So I'll give you the tools. You can build multi-level castle. You can build a small one whatever you want. So I think that's what it is, is really embracing the power of choice. Oh, I love that. I think there's, there's that piece. And then there's also that excuse piece that I hear so many people say, of, I don't have the time to create so much content. I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm like, as a mom of two kids under five and mom of three under eight. So it all starts with one step. So I've curated content over years. Actually, this is a prime example. So in December, basically January of 2021, we went into a three-week quarantine lockdown because we, in December of 2020, we all got COVID, my family, my family unit of five. So my husband's an entrepreneur and I'm an entrepreneur. So that means that if we're not working, we're not making money. There's no, you know, PTO, there's no sick leave. There's, there's no FMLA, right? Like that's just not, doesn't exist. And what happened was, is I was still able to fill a group without getting on a single sales call, without posting a single piece of content. And the reason that happened was because I had put the systems in place to work without me. That's it. I had the content library. I had collected pieces along the way. I basically try to create one piece of content a week. And when I create one piece of content a week, there's strategic ways to chop up that content so it gets repurposed. And there's so many things that people are putting effort into. And you know, like you tell people, use your podcast recordings, either your own, the ones you've been on, you're sitting on a treasure trove of content. But if you're anything like me, you probably try to make it harder than it has to be. So (laughs) it's really about simplifying it down, taking a step back and looking at what's available to you. And are you doing the thing? Like I've had people who don't post content and still make hundreds of thousands of dollars. I've had people post tons of content and make hundreds of thousands of dollars. It's what's in alignment with where you are and the life you want to live, because this is about building a business that supports you, not about you supporting a business you're trying to create. Yes. Because I think the number one thing that most entrepreneurs who come to work with me say that they want freedom and then they build this like 24-7 job (laughs) that just can feel like it's so draining. And while I'm all about working in that zone of genius, it's Mm -hmm. really being clear on what that 
is and how to maximize that time in that space. Exactly. Yeah. And, and it's not about doing all the things and we all get stuck in that place of starting to do too much. And that's great. That's, you know, demonstrates that we're evolving to that next level of who we are, where we are in business and things like that. And if you're constantly in this chasing modality, feeling like you're chasing, you know, the shouldas, chasing clients, then you're making it harder than it has to be. And there's an opportunity there to simplify it back down to just a few core strategies instead of trying to do all the things. Um, I've seen people, you know, waste a bunch of times trying to work with people who aren't in alignment because when you chase the dollar, that's what you end up doing. You're just chasing mm -hmm. money all the time. Money is around you, but you got to stop a second and allow it to come to you. How has your money mindset shifted from being in business from when you started? I think it's a constant evolution, right? Like I'm not kidding. It's always new devil, new devil, new level. It's, you know, it's same devil, every single level. And it just repops up. I mean, there's these roots that are really intrinsically in there. One of the things that I've helped is really looking at the stories that I have about me, my too muchness, right? Growing up was a huge trigger, right? I squashed a lot of my personality and a lot of who I was because I was too much and not enough and always in the wrong situation. So like having to really start looking at how am I overcompensating because I think I'm in a not enough situation and how am I squashing myself when I feel like I'm being too much. And so really looking at those recalibrating that story that I have, like you said, right from the beginning, you just embrace who you are, like getting to this place, like a lot of trauma, <laughs> but a lot of books, a lot of therapy I've done. EMDR has been one of the biggest beneficial things that I've done. And if you haven't looked at it, it is a very powerful form of therapy um, that I would recommend. And it really has helped me rewrite a lot of my trauma experiences, not to forget them, but so that I don't have that reaction and I'm not mm -hmm. wasting energy carrying things that don't serve me. And then I continue to have the opportunity to be able to be questions. I'm, I'm always looking for that next person to be able to support me, to go to that next level, because I know that I'm not meant to do this by myself. There's, yeah. there's a zone of brilliance and genius that I, that I can drive and that I can be in. And then I have other people around me. I have a whole team of people that I invest in and who invest in me to get to this next level. You're never done. It's never done. Oh, and I think the thing is, is investing in yourself and investing in others and that constant, that constant infinity symbol, like that's, that's how I perceive money is it's, it flows in and it goes out and it, it's allowing for that constant expansion of the flow to support you. Yeah, I think I would, big... I would really check like people listening to check themselves. Cause I've had too many of these conversations and I've seen too many of my clients have them too, which is someone who's like, yeah, I'm all about high ticket. And the second someone suggests a high ticket to them, they throw up the no. Mm -hmm. And it's a no, because it's a reaction to the money, not a reaction to the results that they want to achieve. Now that may not be the right person, but like do everyone a favor and don't use money as an objection. Tell them, I don't see the value. Tell them, I don't see what results I'm going to achieve with you. Tell them because that serves them so that they can get better at being able to deliver and communicate more effectively, but don't lie. Like it's not, yeah, you, you don't want to invest. It's not because of the money. It's only the money 2% of the time. So really like owning that aspect of the money story of being willing to be honest and having those real conversations 
I think can help people progress as part of that. And, um, you know, really looking and, and, and doing the internal work because I, I, for me, I think it's always been a little bit more of the fraud factor versus the, the money mindset. Like I've always demanded high ticket. I've always been like, I'm hot shit. Like, I know I could yep. want to make this amount of money and people pay it. Um, sometimes I get surprised. I'm like, awesome, cool. Like next. And I've, I'm lucky. I will say because my husband's an entrepreneur, he's always been supportive. I've never had to ask permission. I've always just been like, this is something I want to do. He might ask questions, but I've been fortunate from that regard. And I know that that's not the situation with a lot of people. And so part of it is, is maybe inviting your partner to start doing that inner work so that you can have those better kinds of conversations. Mm. Yeah, that's such a powerful one because my husband has been an entrepreneur all his life as well. And like the conversation, I will always share with him if there's something big that I'm going to be investing in, but it's never a permission question. Yeah, it's yeah. it's always like this is the benefit and like you said he may have some questions but it's not um he also trusts in my decision making ability to be able to make the best decision for me and how that's going to grow me as both a mother a wife a business owner because they all play into each other it's why it's so important to find your tribe um i mean we've done that from the get go so like i remember i was i was still in corporate and i was in a really really bad work environment i mean just abusive basically. And basically I came home one day crying again. And he was like, I can't, I can't take this anymore. He's like, you have to quit. I can't have you crying like this every single day. It's, it's, it's hurting me too much. And literally I put in my, um, my two weeks notice the next day and fast forward to, I was four weeks away from having my second baby. He himself was also in a, a little bit of a toxic environment with a specific individual at work and he quit. So we lost all his income. I was working 50% at the time. That's a huge leap of faith. Like mm-hmm. 50% of my income was not covering expenses. And basically I ended up having the baby two weeks later. So she came, or actually I was eight weeks away. Anyway, basically my baby came four weeks early. And so he was unemployed and we were going to the hospital. <laughs> and like part of it, you know, is looking at, are you looking at the challenge? Are you looking at the opportunity? And are you letting that light shine? Are you believing in yourself hard enough? And the reality is, is that some people do need to go get a job. I'm not going to be that person to say, just believe harder, believe Mm -hmm. more. Sometimes you need to just go get that job. We are fiscally and financially responsible for our family. Do what needs to be done, but don't give up on yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And I completely agree with that because sometimes in order for some people to succeed, it's not for everybody. Like I am the, I am the type that once I got my first $2,000 $2,000 client. I was like, I quit my job. I know I, <laughs> I know I can do this. <laughs> but like, I have another friend, she needed to hit six figures before she felt comfortable. And I think it's just when you have the certainty and trust in yourself to know that you can like, once I had that $2,000 client, I was like, Oh, I can re- reproduce this. I've done this before. Like, what was all that doubt for a year and a half that I struggled with versus somebody else who may need to hit six figures in their business before they feel comfortable leaving their, you know, cushy six figure corporate job. I never had that. So that was something that was a pivot for me, but I've always been a bit more of a maverick in that space. And I think that that's knowing who you are is also key because if you are one of those people who does need to have a bridge job or some extra supplemental income or work at a coffee shop or whatever it is that you need to do, your family's your priority. And 
Let me also tell table. you that there are a lot of millionaire like entrepreneurs out there in the business strategy and digital marketing space that I know personally, they are working not only in their business, but in someone else's business. So like, don't be fooled and think that these people are just like sitting there with a funnel, turning it on and running Facebook ads and sitting pretty on the lawn, you know, by the pool kind of thing. Like people have a variety of ways of driving revenue. And so it's about finding that balance and that peace so that you can continue to, you know, go and push yourself to the next level. We want to be uncomfortable. I always say I push my clients. I don't break them. Mm. So looking at what's going to push you and make you uncomfortable. I don't think it's a bad thing to be uncomfortable. I think a lot of growth happens in that place. And it doesn't mean that you have to like bury yourself alive at the same time. So agreed, agreed. And some people can't handle that. It's like the, the, the window of tolerance for our own. There's no shame in the game. Yeah. You do it whatever way you need to do it, because I think it's always better to be responsible than it is to be irresponsible. And there's a lot of people out there who are irresponsible and they're being held on pedestals and it's not okay. So looking at how you became so anti-bro marketing, what was it initially that just- I got conned. (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) Oh man. Yeah, I went into it. So I went into the digital marketing space and I mean, marketing, right? Which ends up being digital marketing. So, and there's just certain ways of doing things. I remember like there is a person that I work with and bro marketers are not just men, like the women, they're pink predators, right? Like it does it, it's predatory marketing is basically what it comes down to. And it's delivering as far as the sales call. And basically what happened was I I was working with her and I was doing the work. Like I am, I, when I have a, like a process of steps, whatever it is, I am doing it. I'm asking questions and I was doing it. And we were part of this mastermind and it wasn't working and it wasn't working for me. And I was asking questions and the response was always like, well, it worked for me. Like she was saying that about herself. And so that led me to believe that it was working for her and it was working for everybody else. Well, like six months into the mastermind, I started asking other people, you know, is this working for you? And no, she keeps telling me that it's working for her. And isn't it working for you? Cause it seems like everybody in the mastermind, it wasn't working for them. Somehow, some way she had managed to do whatever it was because she was using a strategy that had worked five, six years ago and was still using that same story in the present day marketing with a strategy that no longer worked. Mm -hmm. So yeah, the heyday of sending out an email and getting everybody to buy those days are gone. Like that's just not how the environment works anymore. And so she would do these amazing, like million dollar plans in an Excel spreadsheet. And then you'd feel all high, like, Oh, all I need to do is this. But then when it came to doing the work, you were just kind of, it was the blind leading the blind. And so like that, and that was like, you know, that was a $20,000 investment and I had made other investments. Now, did I get clarity? Yes. Did I get some understanding of things? Did I learn some skill set? Yes. But at the end of the day, an ROI was sold to me and it wasn't delivered. Hmm. And I'm not okay with that. I am not okay with someone not getting their return on investment at a bare minimum. It's part of what goes through my process because I make sure that I work with the right people. Not everybody I talk to, I work with. Not everybody I talk to gets an offer. I've referred other people to other people who might be a better fit, who are, who do what I do or who work with a different level of person. Because at the end of the day, it's about making sure the person is connected to the right resource because abundance mindset attracts abundance 
when you get these bro marketers who are buying from each other, quote unquote, swapping testimonials to make it look like they're getting all these results, who are using strategies that they're not selling, you got to look behind the vaporware and look at what's mm. the real story. And so all of that stuff that happened to me, I just think that you don't have to do it that way. And there's a lot of people out there who don't align to that philosophy or that energy and want to do it in a way that's more in alignment with who they are and not have to be salesy or pushy. It's Wi-Fi work experience works because it creates context for conversations. If I were to reach out to you and say, randomly, we have no connection or whatever it was. And I was like, Hey, you know, uh, how are you doing? How's business going? What's the likelihood that you'd respond to me, a perfect stranger? Yeah. It's basically like, Oh, okay. It'd be like and, remove connection, block, yeah. report to Bye, you know, whatever oh, thanks, platform. Thanks for asking. And, and if yeah. you're in a bad mood, it's a you fucker. Like you, you're going to come in here and pitch me. I'm going to show you like, don't everybody do yourself a favor. Stop trying to make them wrong. They don't, nobody likes to be wrong. So like, let them do the strategy that they've invested in because whatever. Yeah. Um, yep. But I would say if, for example, you came to my podcast mixer and you'd seen me and you see me facilitate and you've seen the community of people, six and seven figure business owners that I had. And then I reached out to you and said, Hey, how are things going? Did you enjoy the mixer? What's the likelihood of you responding then? Much, much more likely. Like almost a hundred percent just because yeah. I'm amazing. So like <laughs> just period. Like just <laughs> and you no, own it. Period, no comma. Um <laughs> so like self-deprecation humor. So like <laughs> Looking at how are you creating context for conversation, the context removes the sleaze, right? It helps facilitate the invitation to the close. And so we start talking about something that we have in common. And then all my job is to do is to find the awesome in you. And when I find the awesome in you, that leads to an opportunity. It might not be an open door. Maybe it's a crack in a window, but there is a point where it would something you're going to say something and either I have a resource or I'm the resource and say, Hey, is that something you'd like help with? So powerful because I just did a podcast on how, um, how I do love being pitched to, cause I had to change my own money mindset around yeah, that space. Yeah. Cause I would get, be like, Oh, they're trying to sell to me. And I, and that's what I started experiencing in my business. Whenever I would just have a conversation or like, Oh, you're trying to sell to me or you're trying to code. I'm like, okay, okay. I see that. Fortunately, those, those are all learning lessons and reflections as to how I was coming off several years ago. And then I was like, okay, well, we'll pivot this and just do it in a way that feels aligned and create that experience, that love, that energy, that, that full on support, regardless without attachment to the outcome. Yeah. And I think it's, it's surrendering the, uh, the attachment to the outcome. And I, I think the last thing I would love for you to touch on is how do you detach from the outcome when you feel like you quote unquote need the money? Oh, okay. So this is my favorite one. When that energy is present in your space, it's because you don't have enough of a pipeline. If you don't have the power to say next, then you're in lack. So that doesn't help answer the question. But that's just an indication <laughs> that you don't have enough pipeline. So I remember being in that space. I remember it. Yeah, I remember it I very too. vividly. It sucked. So <laughs> what I had to do was reconnect to my why. I had to stop. I had to stop being relieved when a sales call got canceled, right? I had to really lean into, I am in the business of being in business. I'm also in the business of staying in business. And so that means that sales is part of the process and sales is not a dirty, nasty word. It is an energetic exchange. 
And if I'm showing up with dirty energy, the energy cannot be exchanged. It will not be received. And so what do you do to clean your energy? You get grounded, you get connected to your why. And the most important thing is, and I do this on every single call. I don't care if it's not a good fit. It's a karmic contribution. You show up with a heart of service. There is something you can do for another human being. I don't care if they're a competitor or they're your worst enemy or they're your best friend. There is always something you can do. It's a resource. It's a mindset shift. It's a, it's a laugh. Right. And really looking at life in terms of not single dimensional, meaning not every lead is a client looking at leads to what they lead to meaning multidimensional thinking. It's an opportunity in some way. It's a, it's a client. Absolutely. It's a friend. It's a podcast. It's a speaking opportunity. It dot, 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 like the list goes on and on and really coming from that energetic abundance and knowing that once you walk through one of those doors, all of those doors become available to you again. And so looking at all you ever need is one lead to provide an infinite supply. Stepping into that energy helps you make empowered invitations and it helps the person on the other side make an empowered commitment because resounding and resilient yeses don't ask for refunds. Resentful ones do. That's why bro marketers have such a high churn rate. And it's why they have such a high refund rate, not sharing those numbers because they're pushing people and they're making them regret those decisions. Kat, I have loved our conversation. You're just so, you're such a powerful, you're fire. You're, you're just fire. Like, and the fire in me loves the fire in you. So I would love to jump into some rapid fire. Are you ready? Yes. What female character would you want to be in a book or a movie and why? Michelle Obama or Oprah. I think those are amazing human beings who've done so much good in the world and who've had to overcome a lot and who've had their own traumas um, and had to really, you know, push themselves to be better versions so that they could be of service. And both of those women come from a huge place of service first. What is your morning routine? I don't want to share that because it's not a good one. <laughs> Kids. All right, I, I know it's, it's like I the roll morning over, routine is so different with three kids. I roll over and I check my phone. It's right there. I actually, what I will do is I'll go on Instagram. I will go to the reels and I will like look at some stuff, which kind of gets me kind of in a good mood. So I guess it's not as bad. What I like to be able to do, then I go get my kids up in this chaos. And then I come back to my desk. I will do, um, have my tea. And then I will have, like, I will try as best as I can to do a, you know, 10 minute meditation to ground myself. And then I start the day and I start doing my lead gen first. And then I start doing everything else that's in my business. What I take showers at night, people. Okay. <laughs> so I, just <laughs> I was just going to ask what's your evening routine to set you up for morning. I take a bath almost every single night and it's my way of unwinding and giving myself that self-care. I stop work at five. Uh, that's family time with the kids. And then um, by the time I'm done, like helping get all the kids down to bed, it's like eight, eight 30. I go and I might watch, you know, an hour of Netflix. Maybe I'll do some reading. Maybe I'll catch up on some emails. Um, Cause I'm too curious to see what's happened. And then I take a bath to unwind. And then I go to bed. Mm. If you were to have your success at twice the speed, what would you do differently? I'm always like, I don't want to, because there's things I would have missed out on. And part of what I want to do and, and my why is, the reason I do what I'm doing is so that women and men can have more than financial security. I want them to be secure plus plus. And the reason I want them to do that is so that they can be present in their 
loved one's lives, whether it's children, their dog, their mom, their dad, whoever it is, because in presence comes, you know, that, that real living. And for me, it was, if my mom had been able to be there for the way that I wanted her to have been, maybe I would have gone through what I went through, but I would have had her. And so maybe life would be a little bit different. Um, so I say, I would think that that's what I would have had would, would, I wish my mom would have been able to have that financial security. So she could have been there in the way that I know she wanted to be for her kids. And then the other thing would have been to assert my value of myself sooner. It took me, I wasn't until 26 that I realized that I had worth, um, from everything that I'd been through. So I would have liked to have known and stood in that sooner. Mm powerful. What would you say is your kingdom? What would you define to be your kingdom or queendom? The place where I hear my children laugh. I'm tickling them and they're laughing hysterically. Like that's, that's heaven for me. That's called them melting moments. It's where like time ceases to exist and it's pure joy. Um, I just like my whole body's like tingling right now. And that's, that's my kingdom. That's, that's why I do what I do. Ah, uh, yeah. Oh, I, I love the laughter of your kids. There is nothing that compares to it. Yeah. Like I remember each time each one of my kids laughed for the first time and just the moment. It was so beautiful. So lastly, Kat, how do you crown yourself? I crown myself with love and that's to, to receive it, to give it and to impart it and to have it spread more into the world. Kat, where can we find you? How can we work with you? How can we learn how to cultivate our own firework experiences with you? Yes. So um, I have a uh, three-part training series that's complimentary, if that's okay to share. Yeah. Um, so basically, it's how to break out your hour of lead genetics. I know I talked about being able to do that in an hour. Um, some social media posts to help people raise their hands to want to work with you because you're already connected to a hundred thousand dollars with your current network without adding a new person to it. And then how to um, lead someone through a sales conversation. So all three of those are instant access and you can find them at fullybooked.ceo. Uh, other than that, I get around on the internet. So <laughs> find me on the platforms. We will put that link to get fullybooked.ceo available to you. You're going to want to check that out and definitely follow Kat. She has some awesome content and value that she is putting out into the world. So Kat, always a pleasure chatting with you. And as always, my fellow sovereigns, own your throne, mind your business because your reign is now. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If what you heard resonated with you, be sure to subscribe and share your breakthroughs and ahas with me by leaving a review on iTunes so I can keep the magic flowing your way. And if you aren't already following us on social media, come experience the extra inspiration and queenly convos on Instagram at crown yourself now or visit our website at crownyourself.com. I am so excited to connect with you in the next episode. And in the meantime, go out there and create a body, business, and life that rules.